Following the debacle with the G4 security firm and their potentially disastrous policing of the Olympics and their haphazard screening of applicants, Mayor Boris Johnson has taken the unlikely step of going to outside help with the security arrangements. A spokesman for the security group said... There you have it. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this Staggering Stories podcast number... 138. 138, woohoo! Woo! Mm. 13-6. No, 13-8. 13-8, yeah. 13-8, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Anyway, I'm Crumbly. I'm Adam. And I, yes, I am the magnificent Keith. I'm afraid I'm only Keith today because fake Keith is not here. No, nor Jean. Nor Jean. Nor I Jean. think Jean's working with the uh, aforesaid Jadoon. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yes, or dead, yes. or dead. possibly dead. Mm, yeah. Or dead, yes. No, I think she's sort of uh, herding uh, spectators for the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. Mm. with her own own inevitable style. <laughs> Get down there, you bleeding idiot! Cool, blimey, Gav! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we have to do it. Fake Keith isn't here, and we have to insult Jean. It's tradition. <laughs> yep. Sorry, Jean. Anyway, without further ado, lining up for the metaphorical 100 metres of information, it's the news with El Presidente! Doctor News! Docu-drama for 50th anniversary? Rumours abound about at least one special programme to celebrate Doctor's 50th anniversary. A one-off drama on BBC Two. Mm. The BBC was seeking, and it's too late now if you're interested, <laughs> a producer for the Roth Lock Studios-based drama who will, and we quote, Near drama-producing experience. A passion for drama and a knowledge of Doctor Who is essential. Ideally, the successful candidate will have a wide-ranging knowledge of the television drama production processes, preferably including period drama and use of CGI. Mm, smart money mm. is on the so-called docudrama Ooh. about the creation of Doctor Who. Of course, it's not a new concept, as Mark Gatiss did a spoof of just that for Doctor Who Night in 1999. Mm-hmm. So could he even be up for producer? Could be. Who knows? Be. Uh, one supposes it's going to be something along the uh, lively arts drama that was done back in 77. I have no idea. What was that? Uh, they, they did a behind-the-scenes, no-hold-barred Doctor Who 1977. I think it was mostly focusing in on Talents of Wang Chiang, which was being recorded at the time. Oh, OK, yeah. I suspect what this is, given it's a period drama and the CGI and stuff like that, is yeah. going to be the creation of Doctor Who. It's yeah, going to be yeah. the original team yeah. coming up with the ideas. Could, yeah, and, well, they did a couple of years ago. They did, I can't remember which side it was, but did a Coronation Street yes. docudrama of, of the... Presumably as ITV. Invention <laughs> creation yeah. of that, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Mm. Black Mirror, a second series of three on the way. Charlie Brooker's darkly comic and satirical anthology series, Black Mirror, is set to see a second series of three episodes. As of yet, Channel 4 has not announced when the new series will air, but filming begins sometime this very month. 
namely August 2012. Mm. This time, all three episodes are to be written by Brooker himself, who, in the first series, wrote all of the pig episodes <laughs> and wrote the, co-wrote the talent show episode of, th- of the three. Mm. I think when it's originally run, I only saw the last episode, which wasn't written by him, yes. which was apparently the poorer of the three. Yeah, the it was a good episode. Three. I enjoyed it. Was good. it that was the one about the, uh, the life recorder. The, yes, yes. Mm. Yeah, that's the one I saw. So, yeah. I mean, uh, I know fake Kid Keith raved about it quite a bit. Yeah, we should cover it. It's out on DVD. Really I've got yeah. it on DVD. Mm. We, sh- we should cover it at some yeah. point, particularly before uh, the new it, series comes yeah. around. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Good stuff, though. It was really... It's a bit like Twilight Zone, but yeah. set in near future yes. for the most part 30 seconds in the future yeah yeah mm-hmm. much more satirical and, yeah uh, as you'd expect right neil gaiman returning to the sandman cult favorite neil gaiman has announced that he is to return to his magnum opus comic series the sandman with the Sandman's 25th anniversary coming up and 10 years since Gaiman finished the original series, clearly he felt it is time to return for one last, or arguably, first story in the form of a miniseries that goes back to explain what happened directly before the first ever issue. Mm. Expect that the currently unnamed series to start in November 2013, which is not only Doctor Who's 50th, but also the Sandman's 25th anniversary. Yeah, (laughs) I I can't say I've ever. I've enjoyed Neil Gaiman's work that I've read, Mm -hmm. but I've never read the Sandman. Oh, really? Okay, Mm. never got into it. I've got the first dozen or so issues on Mm -hmm. Comicsology. Mm -hmm. Yeah, must read them. (laughs) I I will have. I I shall wait for your verdict, and I shall have to get around to it. It, It's massively. uh, Oh God. it's it's one of the main things that he's known for. I know mm. we, we've gone into um, Neverwhere, American Gods, and the other sections, mm-hmm. but Sandman is the defi- defining thing that he's really known for. A lot of people say it helped revolutionise comics, yeah, along yeah. with things like uh, Moore's uh, Watchmen, things like that. Yeah, well, it, it was, is up there with that lot. Yeah, well, it was out in I think it was out in the eighties, which was basically the yeah, graphic that's novel. What, that's comic what I remember boom. it from. Yeah, well, yes, yeah, yeah. obviously eighty eight. Yeah, so it's one of the things that kicked it off. Yeah. Mm. So, interesting, because in his contract, he said they could not continue without him. Yeah. So it's it's been finished. Yeah. Yeah, so... <laughs> Which is very clever from I, this I, point I, of view. I, yeah, I know they've done spin-offs with various characters, like Death, for instance. Mm. She's, she's popped up a couple of times. Mm. Okay, JMS, a busy man. Mm. J. Michael Straczynski, perhaps best known for creating Babylon 5. Not only working in a new TV series, but also in the process of creating his own media company, Studio JMS. Ooh. Vlad Dracula is the current name for the TV series, and also features producers Roy Lee, who did The Ring and The Woman in Black, and Rob Tappert. Excuse me. Yay! Known for Xena, Hercules, and recently <laughs> Spartacus. Yes, yes. It will apparently blend historical facts from the 15th century Prince of Wallachia, if you pronounce, if I pronounce that correctly. Wallachia. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> with mm, the more I familiar think, fictional yeah. Dracula element, mm. elements. Mm. Studio JMS has been created with Pat Tolman. Oh. And according to JMS... I've always dreamed of creating a mini-studio where I can put all of that work under one roof, telling stories that I want to tell, and which can be spun up between various platforms. Comics that can become TV shows... TV shows that become movies, and movies that can become comics. Best of all, unlike other startup ventures, I'm not looking into getting into these areas. I'm already working in them. And now it's just a matter of taking that next logical step, consolidation. 
Mm. Well, yeah, he is a man of many talents. Mm. He's, yeah, yeah, he's certainly yeah, wearing enough hats. I mean, yeah, he, he has it. written for films. He got a spectacular, a spectacular run on the Spider-Man's in the early noughties. Yeah, he's done mm. books, he's yeah. done comics, yeah. he's done TV, he's done films. I don't know if he's done computer games yet, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know There's always a first. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that 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 would be very interesting, and I would look forward to seeing that. I, I don't know what that means in practice. I mean, his own studio like that. Yeah. Who knows? But a lot of stuff coming up, I'm sure. I'm quite interested that uh, she, he's going in with P- Patricia Tolman, who yeah. was... Mm. Lita, of course. Lita, 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 Alexander, Alexander. Uh, yeah. Lita in Babylon mm. 5, and also she's mostly known for stunt work as well. Yes, yeah. yeah. Stunt work? Which, yeah, she, was, yeah mm. she, was, she started artist. off as a stunt woman or mm. person. She was even doing uh, stunt work for Star Trek while she was mm-hmm. still working in Babylon yeah. 5. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I know certainly... Oh, I'm trying to remember the episode. There was a certain one, Star Trek one, where they tried to still... When the Enterprise went into dry dock and got scanned and nobody was aboard. The Binar one? No, 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 no. The one where they tried to steal stuff. Oh, the, you had a group of terrorists aboard trying to steal tricilicate or, or something, oh, okay. and it was just Picard. Yeah. It was Picard. It was Patrick oh, yeah. Stewart's version yes. of Die Hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah climbing but, through all the Jeffrey. Yeah, but she, she, it, she yeah. was one of the main, and I think this was during Babylon Five. She, it was a non-speaking part, but she was one of the terrorists in the background. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, speaking of which, she was on screen. You recognise? Mm. Yes. Um, yeah, slight um addendum. Oh, addendum time. Thank you. <laughs> no, you mentioned Jeffrey's tubes. Um, an article was, I was reading in the <laughs> No, apparently a new f- flagship. Well, basically to showcase the best of Britain and to sort of employ sort of young crews. <laughs> Dingy, <guess>. is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, no, apparently it's, quite, it's going to be quite, quite a large ship. I mean, it's going to have about four or five masts. Okay. And um, nice. as I say, sort of, um, no, it's going to sort of employ sort of uh, sort of crews from various schools yeah. and stuff like that. It's a sailing ship. Here. Yeah, sailing ship. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, sort of, yeah, training ship. Yeah. yeah, and apparently the ship is so large it will have its own. And this is what the paper said: it will have its own Jeffrey's tube as well, <laughs> going through the ship yeah, for easy access to various parts of it. Uh, okay. Mm. They're using that term, are they? they apparently, they well, are, yeah. it's what most people are familiar with. Through mm. one form or another, you, you tell someone a Jeffrey's tube, you know it's it's a maintenance duct. Well, we basically. do. Yeah. Sci-fi fans do. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so it's probably some a sci-fi fan who's designed it, or yeah. at least, if not fan, knows of. Yeah, maybe. And they classify them mm. as Jeffrey's tubes. Apparently, it's going to be sort of four or five, four or five master sailing ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be sort of travelling around the British Isles, sort of, um, sort of taking on sort of cruise of sort of school kids and stuff like that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> keel hauling them. Yeah. Oh, I can't do with a good keel hauling. Mm-hmm, that's it. <laughs> Made, Made me the man I am today. Who's <laughs> <laughs> turning it in the barrel? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have one again connected with uh, Babylon Five. I have one addendum here, and I've got to admit, it's basically an addendum I'm not too happy with. Um, yeah, Claudia Christian. Um, when uh-huh. you had the Ivanova. yes, mm. Ivanova. When you had the announcement about J- Studio JMS, yeah, mm. yeah, and apparently this was done at the San Diego Comic Con, which is yeah, recent, lots of things have been announced there, yeah, which is recently finished as time of recording, probably a long time ago, yeah, a couple listening. of weeks ago, yeah, yeah. By mm. um, but uh, apparently that somebody was be handing out a small pamphlet advertising an upcoming book. Right. By Claudia mm. Christian. Yes. Okay. Game. Which is allegedly a kiss and tell story <laughs> oh. of her time aboard Babylon 5. Right. 
Yes. Okay. Now, one, I think it's Sorry, bad... What's it going to be called? I mean, it's all f- Fifty Shades of Sinclair. <laughs> <laughs> quite possibly, quite possibly. It was handed out during JMS's... Well, people were queuing for JMS's panel. Right, it makes so sense. It's yeah. uh, leaping on that. And how can I put it? Kiss and tell stories don't mm. necessarily sit well with me. No. Oh, how can I... Yeah. How can I put it? As, as Captain Hook would describe it, it's bad form. <laughs> well, I would say the person uh, has, well, let's just say, a lot of sour grapes to, uh, yeah. Yeah, to crush. Yeah. Lo- well, <laughs> but she did leave Babylon 5 under a various cloud. At the time, there was rumours flying around left, mm. right and centre. Oh, yeah, accusations from both sides. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. Yeah. fault. And, yeah, it, mm. was, it, mm. was, it was, she left under, and it's been what? It's coming up to 10 years ago since it finished. More, I think. More than that, yeah, yeah. 15. Yeah, so, yeah, about 15 so years. Why, why mm-hmm. rake over this, this muck now? Mm. Yeah. You know. Um, well, kiss and tell stories are normally done for one motive, money. Yes, yeah. yeah. Obviously, she she uh, is down on her luck. Or, or, well, I, I don't, I don't want to put it like that, but I haven't seen her in a lot recently. <laughs> no, no. So, yeah, no, I just... And it doesn't sit right with me. I'm mm. sorry. I'm sorry. Like I said, and I, I stick to it. Bad form. Yeah, and there's always a worry in these things that you're getting one side of the story. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we shall see. Yes, there will be plenty of headlines based mm. on that. Oh yeah, yeah. Rumor, and I think actually reading the, there was an article on Blaster about this. I think it was uh, last week. Now, yeah. But so you can look up. But there was a. Uh, Shatner even gets into this. Uh, (laughs) Apparently, according to the book, it was only edited highlights. It didn't actually give anything away. But this pamphlet does mention that uh, she had a a tangle with the many tentacles that was... uh, that was Shatner. <laughs> Tentacles. Tentacles. <laughs> Enveloped. Yes. <laughs> don't mean the f- In more ways than one. <laughs> the flab. <laughs> anyway, up. <laughs> Moving rapidly on from that image. Yeah, yeah no more addendums, I hope. <laughs> uh, not for me, not for me. I'm feeling quite queasy myself. Any more tentacles, yeah. <laughs> Thus endeth the news. So we've been thinking. As best we can, anyway. Who should take over? Who should take that mantle when Moffat goes for (gasps) Doctor Who? Okay, right, so he's actually... But this is his third season, really. Yes, yep, yep. And, um... On form, Russell T really only did three. I know he produced the the fourth season the specials, the yeah, specials, yeah, yeah. but it wasn't a whole season. But at the end, I think it was the end of the third season. We knew more or less for certain it was all change. Uh, fourth, I think actually, it was the, the end of the Donna era, yes. wasn't it? Yes, yes. Anyway. yeah. So not dissing uh, the last toffee, yeah, man. Thank you. But throwing it open to the chair, who do you think is worthy to, as you said, assume the mantle, step into the shoes, grasp the rod of power? (laughs) (laughs) Grasp off its one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, perhaps I got a bit carried away with myself there, but. um, (laughs) Aramon. Yes. Um, <laughs> on, on the most likely aspect, I would say the, the best one to step into the breach would be Mark Gatiss. 
He's the obvious uh, choice. Uh, he's the mm. obvious choice at the moment. He's co-produced with, uh, Sherlock with Moffat. Mm. Yep. He's done a vast amount of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. No, League of... League of Gentlemen. League, League of, of Gentlemen, gentlemen yes. sorry. Because yep. I know, again, that is some, not something that he's had total control over, but it, he's been in the periphery. He's known what's what's happening, mm. and, and the general, he's shared it with other people, but generally known what's going on. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. And he's he, done his own stuff for, for BBC Four, such yes. as the first Men in the Moon. Yes. Mm. Mm, yes. That's right, yeah. Yes, Men in the Moon. No, I mean, basically, he knows how... The vast toffee, Evan. He knows yep. how he ticks, how he works. He knows how he works. Mm. And do, do we want somebody that just emulates? Or? Well, this is this is the trouble. This is the trouble. Mm. Is BBC at the moment won't? It's it's a winning formula. It works. They don't want it changed all that much. But ironically, the show has existed and thrived on change. Mm. Sort of every couple of years. I mean, again, no disrespect to it, but uh, Star Trek had the f- same people at the top for 15 years. And yeah. by the end of it, it showed. Mm. Yeah, unfortunately, um, it did. JNT yeah. stayed mm. for 10 years. Yeah. And it showed. Yeah. So it's it, right, yes. Five years is probably about the maximum you should have mm, a producer and doctor, yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, it does it does help the show to have new blood sort of oh, yeah, in every yeah, now new, and then. New, uh, new ways mm-hmm. of doing things, coming from it from a different angle. Maybe I'm thinking too little of Mark Gatiss. Maybe he wouldn't just be a clone or a continuation right. of Moffat. Maybe he would bring something new. Yeah. I'm sure he would, actually. Um, a lot of stuff he's done, so, such as Crooked House, things like that. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, now that was quite terrifying really, yeah yeah in retrospect he, uh, he could really bring the same sort of fear yeah. factor that moffat's got but with a different Slant. take on it yeah yeah i don't know but so if, quite similar in some okay ways, we, we hang our hats on mark gatus as mm-hmm. maybe not the best choice but the popular choice the, the most the lo- obvious the most logical choice, choice. The most easy logical choice, choice. Yeah. yeah yeah assuming uh, it's up to uh to moffat to anoint his yeah. successor as it was pretty I, much with yeah, I, uh, I, rtd i'm not 100 mm. percent sure how it happened you know how who approached moffat i mean if it was rtd himself who approached moffat i think it was well mm. at that stage nobody knew yeah oh yeah it was going yeah. of course because yeah. uh i think it was actually during the filming of voyage of the damned that he was approached, mm. I think, according to the um, writer's guide. Because okay, yeah. they started talking about it while he was yeah. mulling over that. Mm. Yeah. But mind you, one thing I have noticed, especially with the new season of Doctor Who, you know, all the, is expect the unexpected. Yes. I mean, <laughs> because before Matt Smith took over his tenure as the Doctor, I mean, everyone was fating Patterson Joseph. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, indeed, yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, he was the number one choice. And then yeah. sort of bangs, or the BBC threw a curveball. Yeah, yeah. And uh, appointed Matt Smith. Okay. Um, mm. Well, in that case, uh, let's open our field slightly. We have other writers out there who've uh, submitted a couple of episodes who, again, have form on producing their own series is um, Toby Whithouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, being he's, human. He's produced yeah. Being Human. Mm, uh, right, his yeah. scripts have been not, not been fantastic, but I've enjoyed them. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it? School Reunion, yep. um, Vampires in Vampires Venice, Venice. Mm-hmm. and there was another one. I'm sure there was another one. There was another one. can't think of it for the moment. I enjoyed School Reunion immensely. Mm. Oh, very much so. I yeah. didn't enjoy Vampires in Venice to the same level, mm. though it was a good story. It was I'm not fun, meaning it was to distract watch, from it. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. a good story. Was it God Complex? 
Uh, I think it was God Complex. I think with Vampires in Venice. It was God I mean, Complex. Yeah. I think they were sort of trying to emulate the more camper elements of a uh, ham- Hammer uh, film. I think so. Yeah, mm. I think so. But and again, God Complex was enough for me. Was one of the better episodes mm. at the end of the season. Oh yeah, it was it was a it was a damn good one. Had a few so, issues, but yeah, he he's obviously got the uh, the experience of running a, a show. Yeah, on a budget. Yes, being yeah, got a much smaller budget than Doctor Who. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, and all the problems that come with running a show, such as having your cast needing to, to disappear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> logistics of running the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Again, possibly. I think, I think possibly. He, he I think he is a very good uh, very good candidate. Yeah, and he's shown he can do story arcs. Yeah, yeah, which, again, is... I wouldn't say story arcs is necessary for who, but it is the in-vogue thing mm. at the moment. I, I enjoy I enjoy it. I do enjoy it when it all sort of clicks in together, but I know certain individuals of our usual uh, band of brothers <laughs> have had a few complaints. Mm. What about uh, Cornell, then, Paul Cornell? Cornell! Mm, well, yes. uh, He's not had a great deal of uh, producer. No, this this is it. It's the producer experience. The story writing, I think, has been fantastic from Cornell. But again, mm. this is how much... We, what we don't know is how much it is rewritten. No. Indeed, but yeah. from what I've seen, and Cornell's own books, I've enjoyed mm-hmm. immensely. Yeah. I mean, yes, there's been a few criticisms with some of them. I will admit that. But mm-hmm. they're not strong criticisms, and it's stuff I can, could mm. live with. Yeah. Yeah, but there again, I mean, well, Paul Cornell, his experience with the Doctor Who universe, I mean, sort of surely yes. that shouldn't be a sort of a very big step to go no, from, sto- oh, no. yes, from story writing and book writing to production and, work. Yeah, and also he's yeah. done a, a, a very good run with Marvel. I mean, that is more or less the same as a producer. I know you don't have to do m- much logistics with actors and no, it's a very different thing. It, he's got yeah, an editor. I, I do, I do understand that. But it's he's done a very good run with quite a few of the Marvel comics. They've uh, let him play with some of their iconic characters. Yeah, mm. so, yeah, yeah. He did Pulse, which was just a pilot; didn't go anywhere. No, I don't know if he was producing that or not. He certainly wrote it. He, he did write it, but mm. yeah, I don't know. I d- no disrespect to Paul, but I don't. Know what the level of his, as I said, management logistics skills are. Yeah, well, maybe there's a question there. Does the producer of Doctor Who, the exec producer, yeah. need to be a showrunner? Does he need yeah. to be in charge and cut up the storylines? Mm. Indeed, her. Yeah. Because um, back in the old days, there was a script editor. Yeah. Yeah. Who did that sort of thing, and they didn't have the same sort of overview. Of no, they, they did. They, they I do think. Now. I think it was the producer who sort of gave the general direction the stories would follow and then it was down to the script editor to think up particular story ideas and then farm Mm. them out or read through the scripts that came in. Yeah, and towards the end of the run you had Andrew Cartmel who was yes. more doing the ideas and yeah. J&T was taking more of a backseat in that. Well, as I said, that, that goes back to the, the ten years, mm. just, just too long factor. Mm. Yeah. yeah, one person that has sprung to mind, um, he has had links with the Doctor Who universe in the past and that's uh, Ben Aronovich. Yeah, yes. he's down on my list too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. reading the London magic books, I don't know what the overall arc is. but the, the Peter sto- Grant, the Peter Grant the, books. The, the Peter Grant mm. books, they have been fantastic, captive and interesting so we can certainly think up a story and i I would think uh put together an overall arc for the season Mm. but again he has worked in tv before because not only who he did quite a few casualties Mm -hmm. yeah but again as a writer yeah as a writer it's it's not whether he can do the producing side yeah yeah it's showrunner again it depends it depends really how much 
is left to the showrunner and how much is left to the executive producers to pull everything in, pull yeah. everything together. Yeah, yeah. We could go further afield if we want people who uh, have done the showrunning thing in American style. Oh. We kind of mm. begin to dream people. Oh, the, the, yeah, you're on to the dream, <laughs> dream uh, figures now. Come on. Obviously, uh, JMS. Definitely. Mm, I, Straczynski. <laughs> it's long been known on this podcast that I worship at the altar of Whedon. <laughs> Wait, so you said Jusinski. Yeah, well, yeah, okay, sorry, listen to the wrong. He has, uh, yeah, JMS has done a lot. It's going back to the uh, the news. We've got him pulling together that, mm, yeah. his media group. And arguably he changed TV a lot. We did Babylon 5. Babylon 5, yeah. Bringing in those it, long story arcs. Yeah, Pre written yeah. story arcs, mm. not your made up on, yeah, on the, the fly rubbish. Yeah, this, this, yeah, that, this was literally before story arcs in sci-fi was vogue you yeah. had the various things from next gen that was written on the fly that we yeah. just oh we got an opportunity for a sequel there we shall think yeah. about that in a couple of years yeah it wasn't pre-planned no it was all as i said five years boom bush yeah. but would he again i i wouldn't see jms doing it simply because this this new diff- yeah he's a studio. very busy chap and, but uh yeah, if he didn't have the studio would he be willing enough to play with other people's toys? Mm. That, that's the question. I don't know, because he's doing it a lot in comics. Yes, yes, he mm. is. I, I will give you that. We had, we had uh, Spider-Man, Thor, and I think he moved over to Superman as well. I think didn't so, he? yeah. He did uh, Wonder Woman, didn't he, as well? I, I, I don't think. know. He's, he's done a lot of various Marvel characters, and I th- does he now move to DC? I, I forget. I think he's moved over to mm. DC oh. now, but yeah. One person who comes completely out of left field, Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh. Uh, yeah, because he well, yeah. He, di- he directed the Earth, you know the Thor, Earth Thor movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yes, yes. Yeah, that, that yeah. Was, uh, again, uh, as as a director and producer, I think <clears> he would probably be spot mm-hmm. on. Again, mm-hmm. whether it is now he's up in the Hollywood echelons, mm, whether it. that. But however, saying that he's re- recently appeared in. BBC Three, BBC Four, Wallander. Wallander, yes. Wallander, yeah. Mm-hmm. He, that's uh, BBC Four, presumably. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah admittedly, admittedly, that was only acting, and mm-hmm. I, I yeah. assume he may have directed a couple. But I don't know. Yeah, he's yeah, he's still. But yeah, familiar. I think. Yeah, I mean, I'll say he's a very that, worthy name to be you know, to be uh, thrown in the hat. Uh, so. that, yeah, yeah. That, it's it's one I wouldn't have actually thought of or occurred mm-hmm. to me, but it's good yes. idea. And I'm sure he knows Doctor Who well. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Being, mm-hmm. being British. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. I even vaguely remember him talking about it at one time. So mm. I think he might even be a bit of a fan, but I'm yeah. not yeah. certain about that. Mm. But yeah, sort of whether he would be uh, willing to lock himself into something mm. like this mm. for That's three years. That's it for a protracted like, period of time. Yeah, with, I mean, with, that's the thing, though. Uh, I'd say at the minimum, I would mm. say it would be three years. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Well, it doesn't have to be, but ideally, you want some continuity yeah. Yeah. in style for yeah. a few years, don't you? Oh, definitely, definitely. So, uh, yeah, but other, quickly, other, you met uh, Joss Sweden? Joss Sweden, yep. Joss Sweden. Mm-hmm. We, as uh, again, th- getting back to big Hollywood. Yeah, as a, as a Dreamcast, <laughs> as I say, I often uh, worship at the altar of Whedon. And mm. I'm quite certain he knows what Doctor Who is and is I think, yeah, a I fan. Th- well, he spent uh, a couple of years over here growing up when it was on, so mm. I'm sure he, uh, yeah. I think he's referenced it a couple of times. Or if you really want to go for real big Hollywood names, how about Ridley Scott? Oh, <laughs> well, he worked <laughs> on Doctor Who. He worked on it, mm. yeah. He worked on it back in the 60s mm-hmm. as a... Um, design consultant or designer mm. he, he was a designer yeah. in the BBC so I'm yeah. sure he is certainly knows of it if mm. he hasn't mm. worked on it he has definitely has worked on it yeah, yeah I know he has worked on it uh, yeah again 
another big one. Um, what about, in that case, going really big, mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg? Uh, <laughs> who we know is also I, a bit I, of a fan. Ironically, of yeah, I think Spielberg, during the reboot years, Spielberg... He was rumours were. Well, he I was know, interested. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Amblin certainly is mm-hmm. his production company at the yeah. time. I know <laughs> Looney Tunes, the yeah. junior Looney Tunes, which was uh, his production company. The police, a certain police box, sewed up behind Daffy Duck a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'll have to look out for those. Huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, it, it's a bit of a moot point whether he'd be willing to do it, but. Mm-hmm. Would it be right for him to do it? Do you think he'd make a good job of it? Well, that's, well, that's the thing. So the tendency with Spielberg is you know, for, his, for his movies to have rather saccharine endings. Yeah. And, yeah. I, well, I think... <laughs> I, has that yeah, well, and, well. And the, certainly Matt Smith's first season was very fairy tale. Yeah, deliberately dark think, fairy tale. Yeah, mm. which I think would be right up Spielberg's yeah. alley. Yeah. Who wouldn't you want seeing? You know, out of interest, you know what the the producer of Crossroads, the current producer of EastEnders, and well, people I'd be a bit concerned about who mm. who may be in the frame Ooh. are people like Matthew Graham, yes, who who's done such clunkers as uh, <laughs> uh, Fear Her, yeah, Rebel Flesh, yeah, uh, produced whatever Bone Kickers, yeah, uh, yep. Eternal Law. I had a soul. <laughs> Yeah, I had a soft spot for both those series actually. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sort of bone kickers because it's set in Bath, and I love I love the city of Bath. Yeah, and uh, Eternal Law. I mean, okay, York. <laughs> <laughs> well, not so much that. I mean, okay, so it was um, a twist on Perry Mason. Really, yeah. mm. I never yeah. saw Eternal Law. Mm. I saw the first four of six. Bone kickers. I okay, saw. Though. I enjoyed, but yeah, it tried too hard, and there wasn't mm. something quite there with it yeah the series that he's created with uh ashley farrow is it mainly they've tended to be more missed than yeah. hit yeah uh, they just haven't quite the, got all, things yeah, all the ideas all are there there's just that certain something that's missing so i would be concerned about that yeah, yeah. another I mean, person i'd be concerned about yeah, is chris chibnall yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I again i hate to do people down and point the fingers and go no 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 but yeah i've got to agree with you on that one chris chibnall, <laughs> what did uh it did uh, the, the Chris 42 yeah 42 wasn't bad but it wasn't mm. great yeah very forgettable obviously he uh, was in charge of torture the first couple of mm. years yeah which did get better yeah by the was end that of... af- was that after he left though well <laughs> <laughs> but he did Cyberwoman uh, yeah which wasn't great uh... <laughs> did, did he do the Silurian the t- Silurian two-parter he did Hungry Earth Cold yeah, Blood yeah. again yeah that that, yeah, that that's not really doing himself any service Torsha's really picked up when RTD took the reins in mm. yeah. uh, Children mm. of Earth yeah I don't know so those are two possible people who, who could realistically be brought in but yeah you, would, you wouldn't be concern. happy you wouldn't be happy if they were hmm so, any other offers? Any other offers? Oh, I think we've... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think we've sort of thrown all the names in the hat. Actually, okay. other people have ideas. Yeah, I was going to so. say, if you've got any suggestions out oh, yes, there, yes, yes. or anybody you definitely mm-hmm. don't want seeing it, please email us at... Show... At... Staggering... Stories... Dot... Net. And now, ladies and gentlemen... For your delight and, yes, delectation, we present Crumbly with his dinner guests. Okay, your dinner party guests. Who yeah, are you dinner got? party guests. I mean, it's a very eclectic mixture. So it's a bit of music, a bit of author, and a bit of the strange thrown in. Ooh, the strange. <laughs> mm. Boy, he's up for a bit strange. Oh, yes. <laughs> mm. Right, my three 
factual guests. Yeah, sort of a couple of very much alive alive and oh. one is ever so slightly dead. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> we'll just prop him up against the radiators. Mm, yeah. Yeah. You might start smelling a bit. Yeah. <laughs> OK, my first dinner guest is my favourite author, Alan Dean Foster. Ah, <laughs> yes. Mm. yes. Yep, yep. A very prolific writer of in excess of 80 novels, uh, sort of numerous short story collections, anthologies, books about various subjects dear to his heart. He could go on for hours. Plus, he's also he's very much a travel bug as well. I mean, he has travelled very widely. Ah, so, yeah. I mean, I think he would be a very good raconteur about both his work and his travels around the world. Diseases he's picked up around the world. <laughs> <laughs> Bit sort of dropped off. Yep. He's scuba dive for the sharks, you know, something I'd like to do. Ah. Uh, well, he's uh, karate trained with Chuck Norris. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Chuck the Norris. The Chuck Norris, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Yes. Right, my second guest. Well, a bit of a musical uh, inclination here. Peter Gabriel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, um, he could talk about his time with Genesis and say his solo work as well, including <laughs> his perennial works in sort of Salisbury Hill and Sledgehammer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Had a chicken. Mm, chicken. Yes. Chicken, chicken. Mm. Okay, yeah. Right, also his work with WOMAD, which is the uh, World of Music, Art and Dance uh, Festival every year down in, uh, down in Wiltshire. Oh. And um, his numerous influence, influences on uh, world music. Harry brought it to, you know, if you'll pardon the pun, the world stage. Uh. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, say sort of bringing a relatively obscure branch of music and, you know, sort of, uh, to more people's um, attention. Okay. Right. Um, I was in two minds about my third factual guest. All right. As I say, um, they're both very much wordsmiths. One's more of a poetic bent and the other one's more of a sort of story writing bent. Either Neil Peart, the drummer with Rush, frighteningly articulate person, lyricist with Rush. Ah. He's done quite a bit of travelling as well by motorcycle and uh, bike as well throughout Africa, South America and things like that. Oh, okay. Like a long way round and stuff, yeah. Mm, That's right, yes. Or or Jim Morrison. (laughs) Yes. Or. Mm. And or. And or. Mm. Yeah, Jim Morrison, the uh, late great vocalist with The Doors, has to say another wordsmith, a very much a person of extremes. Mm. One moment he could be very sort of gentle, very articulate, but then he could be sort of coarse, unerudite. <laughs> and, um, well, basically sort of, he'll bring in a very unpredictable uh, turn to the uh, you know, dinner table <laughs> proceedings. How did he die? Um, overdose, I think. Yeah, overdose in a bathtub. Yeah. Okay. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Let's keep an eye on him then. Yeah. He goes to yeah. the bathroom. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Right, my three fictitious. Oh, yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. First and foremost, everyone's favourite, Captain Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I'd go right for Kirk rather than mm. Shatner. <laughs> Though he could spend most of his time chatting up the uh, lady guests. Mm, the there aren't any so far. Yeah, <laughs> but we aren't any so far, sir. So. Yes, he could regale everyone with the tales about what it likes to be a, be a starship captain, to fly around the galaxy, snog alien women, <laughs> and lug that massive ego around the ship as well. <laughs> and that strange Takaro speech, Spock. Problem is, get a rippy shirt open. Mm, yeah. Oh, no, not very nice at the dinner table. No, no, no. no. Yeah, especially if there's fondue and it dripped all down his front. <laughs> get on with it. <laughs> My second Guinness. <laughs> no, I'll say it again. That was. A Spoonerism, that was. <laughs> My second dinner guest would be Elric of Mel Nibony. Oh, mm. yeah, that's an unusual one, yeah. Mm, yes, basically to scare the living snot out of everyone. <laughs> yeah, wizard, I take it. Given <laughs> yes, um, well, yeah, master of the dark arts, yes, of uh, emperor of Mel Nibony. Yes, has and, a soul-sucking sword. Mm, yes, called yeah. Stormbringer. Yeah. Basically, if anyone got out of line, he would just sort of spear them with Stormbringer. <laughs> and we could all laugh heartily as their soul got sucked out. Yes. yes. <laughs> mm. Wouldn't work in Captain Kirk, I don't think. Bloated, massive, great big sore. <laughs> <laughs> that might take some time, actually. Yeah. <laughs> 
And my third dinner guest would be Tron. Tron. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, to find out what life in the electronic world is like, and I also want to ride a light side. Like all <laughs> so those would be my six or maybe seven dinner guests. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Tron versus Captain Kirk. Mm-hmm. I, actually, I have just thought of an addendum. I know my one was about two podcasts ago, but I, <laughs> I thought of an addendum that I'd like to have for mine, which has just been triggered off by, by mm-hmm. Andy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I would like to introduce or, or have Captain Kirk mm-hmm. and Zap Brannigan and just oh, step no. back and watch what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the only thing you should have is saw Keith going in the background. <sighs> yeah, yeah. No, but I, I, when you mentioned it, I just thought of that. You know, both mm. of them in the room together. You know, could reality stand it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just imagining Kirk and Tron. They'd have to get into an arena, wouldn't they? They would That's do. It. They mm. would do. Anyway... If you can think of any stimulating and wonderful dinner guests... Dinner guests, yes. Dinner guests, then email us at... Yes, you've guessed it. Show at... Staggering... Stories... Dot... Net. Right, ladies and gentlemen, we have been out... Well, some of us have been... Well, two of us have been out (laughs) to the wild worlds of Brighton. Mm. To go where boldly, where no hand has set foot, to seek new monsters, to squash infinitives that have never been mangled before. <laughs> well, we've actually been to see Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy radio show live. I know I won't like it. So we we got tickets. Right. It was nearly sold out. So we got, it was. We had to be right up in the gods. We, we, we were. Yeah. We were. But a really good show, I thought. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's brought back pretty much all of the original radio cast. Yes. With the exception of those being dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, no, not necessarily in some cases. Well, that's true. There was a dead person on stage. Yes. <laughs> a few nearly dead ones. Too. A few nearly dead ones, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, the, oh, the manager of um, Hot Black Desi Art. He, he was mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Spending a year dead for tax reasons. reasons. Yeah. That's it. That's it's quite interestingly done and with more than a little sprinkling of Moffat style timey wimey it was very confusing very confusing Uh. (laughs) yeah I'd expected it I'd heard they were just basically going to be standing out there with their scripts yeah reading as if they were doing the radio yep Mm, I thought they'd do a Mm. two hour thing maybe they'd do the first two or three episodes Mm, yeah Yeah. sort of a taster but But no 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 they've they've taken the story the entire story all Mm. four Five? Five. Four, Ooh, five four. books. Mm. Yeah. And they've taken bits from each of them. Ooh, potted history. Mm-hmm. And uh, mixed it up yep. in some, let's say, timey-wimey fashion. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and presented it Trademark. as, a, as a, basically mm. a new version of Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah. It's another new version. Yeah, and, and another variation of it. Yeah. Uh, like I so, it is done literally as a radio show. I They do stand there in mm. the script. Yeah. I think uh, Simon Jones wears a dressing gown throughout. Mm. Yeah. He does. There is very barest minimal props that pop up every now and again like the Neutromatics drinks dispenser yeah that was very <laughs> that, that, yeah that caused quite a bit of hilarity when the cups kept on falling off before he could grab them mm. and drink yep. them yeah yeah uh, we also have Marvin yeah uh, somebody mm. on stage doing the actions for Marvin <laughs> uh, the f- act one is basically the first season 
the entire first season of uh, Hitchhikers. First radio series, yeah. yeah. yeah uh, up, up to the point where they, they, they die. Yeah, the, uh, uh, on Magrathea. Yeah. And then the second act, as, as you said, as you touched upon, is this intriguing mishmangle of the <laughs> last remaining four books. Mishmangle. Mishmangle. It's the only way I can describe oh. it. <laughs> mishmangle. But it works. It makes sense. Simply yeah. because of uh, one line that I think was in the third or fourth book. The sure about... True History. The, oh, the yes. The, the uh, Slighty Bartfast, mm. yeah. as you know, is, is uh, the campaign for a real time. Or yes, whatever. that's it. Basically, the whole show hangs on basically that one throwaway line or description. Yeah, and there's something which I'm not sure, I don't remember it in the original books or anything, about the Babelfish. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, I th- being able to... Um, I'm not sure if that's mentioned in the first book or in the books, but I know it's certainly mentioned in the radio plays. Ah, uh, I forget it. Then. Yes, because yeah. they, they are themselves slightly... Uh, Timey-wimey? Improbability drive-like. Yeah. Uh, they, they naturally have that improbability if, if it thing looks, in them. If it looks like them or their hosts are in any way endangered, they can in- instantly transduce through the probability drive or through probability factors to yeah. another area where it won't be endangered, mm-hmm. which saves them quite a few times. <laughs> it, it also makes them a very nice way to get various different groups of characters around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And together we have Toby Longworth. Now I'm a My great name fan is of. Not to- important. Uh, I'm a great fan of Toby Longworth because he appeared in the remounted radio shows, the third, the fourth, and I think the fifth books. Yeah, and he also is was a, is a stalwart uh, voice actor on mm-hmm. Big Finish. Oh, good yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I yeah. have to point out, if you ever listen to Judge Dredd solo, mm. please listen to it because he is every single voice mm, on that it. disc. It's mm. all him. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. He is really good at Judge Dredd. He did the entire Judge Dredd yeah. series of audios, and he did games as well. The recent yes, games. he did. Mm. The, did the rebellion game. I think he also played Slarty Bartfast and the Vogon in the third, fourth, and fifth book on the radio. The recent ones. Uh, Slarty Bartfast was um, no Richard no. Griffiths. Tell, he? tell a lie. He mm. played the Vogon. He played the yeah. Vogon. Yeah, he played yeah. the Vogon. He, again, here he was also Vogon Jelt. Yeah, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. It's very difficult to say. Yeah, very difficult to tell him because he did actually wear they all wore vogon heads yeah with, yeah, with yeah. the high do- green big mm. big orange goggles mm. green crasher with, with this it. big big nose stuck mm. right at the top stuck on their forehead, yeah. yeah you start stephen moore as the voice of yes. marvin yeah he wasn't and, uh, the whale yeah i'm assuming yeah i'm assuming he was recorded because yeah said he it didn't wasn't. show up at the end so what i what i also liked is you had uh the foley artists in the corner on <laughs> yeah. the stage doing all the sound effects mm-hmm. and there is one brilliant scene when they're doing the whale when the whale uh, hits mm. is while you've got the whale <laughs> talking and describing mm, yes. all these you've got the foley artists come out in front of the stage get out rain max umbrellas <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. put down cover only for everything in, in yeah. plastic max mm. for just as the whale hits yeah which you was, expect a- <laughs> which was a nice touch yeah yeah yeah, so you expect a wild hit the ground with a very loud yeah, splat. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yep. yes, yes. Each run has a different voice for the book. They some of them do two or three performances, but there is probably what uh, over a dozen different people playing the book over yeah, the, over yeah. the run. I think we got uh, Hugh Dennis. Didn't Hugh Dennis. Hugh yeah. Dennis. Who his first of two? It was his first of two run and. 
although he did trip over a couple of words, which is ironic because <laughs> he's sitting in the corner on a leather armchair actually reading mm, the script. Yeah. yeah, others might have had the script in their hand. Most of the time, they didn't refer to it. No, because they, they, they they've done it so many well, times. It, yeah. yeah, and he did over, trip over a few words. And one of the things I did love about it is uh, uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy has this to say about quantum physics. And he tripped over that word. So he then sat back. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy has this to say about Hugh Dennis. He can't read. (laughs) (laughs) The Encyclopedia Galactica has much to say on the theory and practice of time travel, most of which is incomprehensible... (laughs) Pardon me. (laughs) The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy has this to say of Hugh Dennis. He can't read properly. <laughs> I think there was... Uh... And his voice was, seemed right. Oh, yeah, yeah. He did did the proper sort of slightly befuddled, yeah. bemused yeah, voice. Yeah. I mean, that's what I like. I mean, all the people they've chosen for the voice of the book, namely sort of Stephen Fry for the uh, movie version, mm. they all, all fitted the role perfectly. Oh, yeah, mm. yeah. No, he, I think, I'm not sure if he was... Looking at the list, most of the voices of the books were friends, personal friends or acquaintances of Douglas Adams. Mm-hmm. I'm not yeah. sure whether Hugh Dennis was, but mm-hmm. I'm not taking that away from him. He, yeah. he did a wonderful performance. Yeah, obviously friends include John Lloyd, Terry Jones, Neil Gaiman. Yeah. They, they're all good friends mm-hmm. with uh, Doug Sanders. Yeah. So what else? The music. Oh, We've got to mention the band, uh, the I live think, band. That I think really good. Uh, t- a small tip of the hat to the other job that Douglas had when he was writing Hitchhikers, which mm-hmm. was script edit for, for Doctor Who. Yes. The, when the band started up, they are just playing sort of random tunes mm-hmm. in a yep. hitchhiking style. And then they suddenly break out with the Who theme. Oh, this, well, this is the before, refrain of it. Yeah, yeah this was this was before it stopped. It just dropped into the middle of it. But it I should bamboozle people. Yeah. Virtually all original music, I think, but yeah. It was certainly done in the style of um, the Hitchhiker's Incidental Music. The, the from, first radio series, From yeah, the first yeah. radio, yeah. Where it's it done. is more of a rock sort well, of as, sound as, to as it. Said, reading, reading the uh, programme, it was inspired by, uh, what is it, uh, Deep Purple, I think. Oh, OK. Uh, mm-hmm. it, that's, that was the style they were looking for, mm-hmm. or yeah. the, the pitch or the level they were aiming for. And I think mm-hmm. they, they were... Very well. They they hit it very spot on. I have to say, hearing the uh, Journey of the Sorcerer live. Oh, um, that, yeah, that really was glorious. That, that really was. It was broad little uh, prickles at the back of the neck. Yeah. Very, yeah. very good. Yeah. <laughs> um, again, the, it's a live performance. There was a couple of fluffs. There was a couple oh, of... Uh, that's what makes it so much fun. Yeah, it, I, I'm not distracting for it. It, it was wonderful, especially when I think it was uh, Jeffrey McGiven yeah, who yeah. did the fart, yeah. who, who forgot his line or... or Muffed up his line to be fired up, yeah, yeah, and then it's like, okay, right, mine's the first one, first pound in the pot tonight, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I thought you said they were called Bogons, no, Vogons, no, the Dentrassi are the in flight caterers, they're the best cooks and the best drinks mixers, and they don't give a wet slap about anything else. They always help hip, they always do something like that. 
Sorry. <laughs> they, first mistake, I have to pay a fine now. <laughs> I'll pay you back on earth. No, they don't give a wet slap about anything else. They always help you. It was really good. And all the stuff with the neutromatic machine oh, with, yeah. with Simon Jones and yeah. Arthur. And it <laughs> kept the, the cups out. kept on falling over or, <laughs> or not appearing. Or... And he, he made good play of that. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that happened every night or not, but uh, it, just, it didn't seem like it. Certain, certainly when things went wrong, they didn't try to ignore it or ba- embarrass by it. They played it up. Oh, yeah. In some cases, mm-hmm. bowing towards the audience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that that is another thing it is very much an audience participation because you has uh, one of the guys running in around in the background for the uh, the destruction of the earth so he held up a placard panic scream <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Uh, applause cheer mm-hmm. yeah when uh, deep thought was speaking yeah. we were meant to be the crowd <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're the crowd so we got participation yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, how long how much longer has it got to run because it's, it's finished run, now i think as we record let alone oh, this goes out that's a shame that's it's, a shame because it is, it is great fun. It's a great night's entertainment, and to a certain effect, it's rather like Rocky Horror. You can mouth the words along with the actors because mm, you know them so well. Yeah, mm. and the great thing is they sound the same. It's, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, like thirty-five years, years on, nineteen seventy-seven. Yeah. The first mm-hmm. thing, thirty-five years ago, and all the principal casts they look a bit different clearly yeah, a little yeah, bit they old, sound yeah. the same oh, uh, I think we've got, got to do a shout out to Mark Wynn Davy for being up there in a leather kilt yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that, that was that was a sight to see a leather kilt a black leather kilt mm. yeah, yeah apparently it's cooler mm. yeah, mm. yeah yeah <laughs> well there again you're always playing the, you know, sort of the worst dressed sentient being in the universe exactly mm. yes, yeah yes, yes. <laughs> For a short time, you can buy the performances. Oh, yes. Audio mm. copies of the performances yeah. on the website. Hopefully, they're unedited, so you got mm. the full full experience. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah. Really good, though. Really good. Well, we all, well, some of us, well... <laughs> the same two. two. The same two. <laughs> the same two. <laughs> have been out watching films this week. And all I've got to say is, I'm Batman. Okay, uh, recently mm. it's been the opening of, what is it, the uh, Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, the third and final part of the Chris Nolan trilogy. Yes, yes. The first film was fantastic. I enjoyed Batman it immensely. Begins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Batman yeah. Begins. Definitely. The Dark Knight, I was slightly disappointed for. I didn't think it was as, as good. Yeah, me too. But I, I'm putting my finger on, is at the time we'd come straight back from the proms 
the 08 proms. Oh, really? I can't remember. Already. Yeah, no, it, we, we, we'd just mm. come back. We saw the 08 proms Sunday in the morning. Yeah, the, and the Doctor proms are all out at all. Yeah, 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 in the morning, and then went straight into uh, the Dark Knight. And <laughs> I, I'm putting it down to the adrenaline high and then sort of coming down. Below, I, yeah, I, haven't, yeah. I haven't seen The Dark Knight return since, I've got to admit. You haven't seen The Dark Knight since? Sorry, uh, The Dark Knight since. Haven't you? Okay. No, I haven't Lent seen it to since. Your, uh, you haven't got Blu-ray, have you? No, no, no. And then we come to the final chapter, The Dark Knight Rises. Mm, a lot of expectation on this film. Yes. An awful yeah. lot of expectation. Mm, yeah. And for my money... I've only seen the once. Yep, same as me. It is the weakest of the three. We, you, you think it's the weakest I think of the three? A lot of people say disagree with me, so it's probably just me, and I probably need to go rewatch it. <laughs> but it to me, it is diminishing returns. Batman Begins, best yep. of the three, then The Dark Knight, and Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. yeah. Um, why? I don't know. We're, we're putting spoilers towards the oh, end of yes. this lot, not, lots, not this lots early of spoilers. Lots of spoilers. Uh, but, but in general, I, I think the problem is there's a bit of a lack of Batman. At yes. the beginning, yeah. for obvious yeah. reasons. But even more so, like Dark Knight, he is completely reacting to events. He's not in control of events at all. He is reacting mm. to yeah, events. Yeah, I'll agree and, with that. And to me, Batman should be in control of events. He should be, you know, the whole Batman gambit. And what, yeah. he, he should be, he should know what's going to go on. He could be able to predict, to find detail, the consequences of any action. So almost a Holmesian yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mm. attitude to him. Yeah, so he should be able to foresee all events right. based on one little yeah. chess move. Yeah. Sort of yeah. And that's not at all the Batman that we get in these last two films. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I'll agree with that. But having said that, it's a different sort of beast, isn't it? Isn't, yeah. It's more about Batman as a symbol. Yes, oh, very much so. I mean, yeah, I'll agree with you. It is a long film. It is a long. Yeah, film. A lot of people just say the film could have been hours. trimmed down by. I, at least I'm not half saying. I'm not yeah. saying I noti- it, noticed it. Mm. It wasn't a long film that made me sit down here like, um, oh God, what was Avatar. it? No, Prometheus. Mm. You know, okay, I, yeah. I wasn't sitting here thinking, right, when is the film going to start? We're mm, half an yeah. hour into it and nothing's happened. <laughs> it wasn't that bad for me, but yeah. it is a long film. It is basically, to a certain extent, it's a rehash of Batman Begins, as in he has to get back from, yeah. from where he be, from where he ended up at uh, the Dark Knight, and from where the Dark Knight Rises begins. Mm-hmm. He, there is a long process to get him back to being Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, although in Batman Begins, I quite enjoyed that process. Yeah. I tend to find that origin stories, superhero yeah. origin stories in film, are really rather dull. You've seen it all done before. Yeah. Mm. But somehow, Batman Begins gave it a new sort of edge it, to it. it. There was more to it. it was, well, so Batman Begins, it was taken literally to before he was Batman. Yeah. Most, most of the Batman films you've seen, you've got essentially his first night. You've seen, yeah. what, we've, you've seen what causes the mm. Batman... And then it jumps to his first night, whereas yeah. Batman Begins, sh- you saw the training and how he got to that point. Yeah, all that stuff, all his training up yeah. in wherever it was. Yeah, I couldn't help but um, you know, draw comparisons of, of uh, Liam Neeson's uh, performance. Yes. Yeah, between, you know, sort of, um, right, okay, what was the uh, Batman film where he's uh, in the Tibet, you know, was it Tibet Monastery? Be- uh, that was Begins. begins. Yeah, yeah, Batman yeah. Begins. A lot of people would draw sort of comparisons with Qui-Gon Jinn, so. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. Uh, Talking, which is quickly so yeah. um, it seems to me that in some ways it, it skipped over the events of the second film. Mm, yeah, 
Yeah. Apart from the death of Harvey Dent. Dent, yeah. Mm. There's very seems... little that happens in the second film has any bearing at all. Yeah, you see roughly, on, very briefly in flashback. Yeah. Obviously, the Joker's not there. Yeah, mm. which is yeah. a shame. Because, obviously, the, he died. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Heath Ledger and he, uh, Nolan said he wouldn't recast. And that's the right thing to yeah. do. Oh, yeah, mm. yeah. But it does feel as though you could skip that middle yeah. film. As I mentioned to you on the way out, there was a, a key character that does crop up. One wonders if he would have survived where the Joker would have fitted into all this. Yeah. Because um, mm. I'm not sure if it is too much of a spoiler, but I'll do it anyway. Spoiler yeah, music, spoiler music, music. La, 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 la. Um, Crane, the scarecrow, shows up at one point. Yeah, in, very briefly. Really. Very briefly in a judge of a, in a judge's court. A kangaroo court, yeah. yeah. I can't, uh, very obviously working, if not for Bane, but for the organisation that got set up. Yeah, yeah. I can't necessarily see the Joker of doing that. I couldn't see the joke, certainly in his comic persona, for working for anyone else. Mm. No. I mean, that is the thing, because whereas Bane did have, well, he believes he had an axe to grind. Yeah. He Mm -hmm. wanted to get together what he perceived as all the oppressed masses of the world. Yeah. Yeah. To ride against the capitalist pigs who think, he thinks they're grinding sort of people's faces Uh, into the dust. This... As... Well, as Albert in the second film said, the Joker is a man who just wants to stand and watch the world burn. burn. Yeah. Alfred, yeah. 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 Mm. Uh, this does very much, like I said, it does skip over the second film mm. quite a bit, but it de- very much does plug directly into the first film. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. a lot of yeah. unanswered questions in yeah. the first film that does get resolved in this one. It so, is very much about going back to Batman Begins and destroying Gotham. Yeah, mm. yeah. They, they destroying rule, the, the, this rule, root of evil. Mm. I'm trying to remember. Rule El Gaul. Yeah, yeah. His, his mission from the first film. Although the odd thing here is, we're led to believe in the beginning of this film is that Gotham's been cleaned up. Yes, mm. yeah. So it's, the, the uh, mission that Ra's al Ghul was on was to clean up Gotham, yeah. to wipe it out because mm. it was a cesspool which couldn't it's, be cleansed. Yeah, cesspool mm. and corrupt. But it has yeah. been cleansed. Yeah. So therefore he should have put his attention to the next city which yeah. needed to work, whatever that would have been. Yeah, but they they, they fix I think is again they fixated on his plans because he was no longer around. Yeah. Because he was killed in the first film. Yeah. They couldn't adapt or change the uh change the plans they just fixated on it yeah uh the film itself takes very heavily from nightfall which was was bane okay yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, i.e the breaking mm. of the bat yeah yeah and uh again there's a large dollop of the return of the dark knight which was the 30 year after comic book that was uh, Frank Miller uh, probably yeah yes, he did I a think, celebrated one right? yeah I think it was Frank sure. Miller um, there are certain a- more aspects of the Frank Miller story I would have loved them to include the Bruce Wayne's decision to come back mm-hmm. as Batman was very much a decision yes yeah, I, it's mm. something he very much goes for in The Dark Knight Return it's very much more of Batman's decision to come back uh, the, sorry, the, the, the Return of the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. It's very much more Batman's decision to come back. I, it's Bruce Wayne's subconscious yeah. decision. He finds himself wandering down the streets where his parents were killed. Uh, yeah. He's mm. got a moustache and beard that he subconsciously shaves off and doesn't realise it until he looks in the mirror. Uh-huh. It's very much more, in the Batman Returns, it's very much more Bruce Wayne is the secret identity, while Batman is the actual man. 
Okay, yeah. Whereas yeah, this yeah, one, yeah. as I say, it's more Bruce Wayne's decision to reassume the mantle. Yes. One thing I must mention about sort of the latest sort of Batman films is, um, well, the comparison between, the, I would say, the films and uh, the game, some of the games that have come along. Yeah. I mean, uh, sort of Batman's sort of Arkham City. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, Arkham City was drawn from H.P. Lovecraft's um, Cthulhu mythos. Yeah, but oh, really? uh, okay. yeah, Arkham, Arkham City, or, or the term Arkham, I think was very much H.P. Lovecraft. Mm. But I think you've had Arkham Asylum, mm. which was the Gotham City loony bin mm-hmm. since the 50s, I think. I could yeah. be mistaken. But yeah, it was very much a tribute to H.P. Lovecraft's mm, yeah. Arkham mythos and mm. all the, like I said, it's where you put all the terrible things that you mm, close up and you it. don't want to see. Mm-hmm. Which also reminds me of something which I think they, they miss a trick on. At the end of Batman Begins... The implication is you have all these crazies coming out because of what the the gas that was yeah. released in in the narrows. Yes. And apart from the Joker, who presumably was affected by that, yeah. we, we don't know for sure. But uh, apart from that, it seems forgotten. Yeah. It, it, Everything that happened there is forgotten. All the criminals that got out of them were affected by this gas. Yeah. Where do they go? What happened to them? It's very much Never glossed over. Of again. No, it's very I, much I was sure over. that was setting up the way they'd get these weird characters to come along each time. But, but actually, that, it, it could have been. And again, that could have been more to the Joker side. It could have been his gang that he pulled together. Maybe. You, 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 you don't know because unfortunately, um, yeah. Heath Ledger. But the mm-hmm. Bane, no for example, mm-hmm. was not a product of that at all. He no. comes from somewhere entirely different. Yeah. It's a bit of a shame. And it also seemed to me that the Gotham they were showing seemed like a very different place. I know it's meant to be cleaned up, but it's a much more open, clean, yeah. New york sort of thing yeah, than the dark, gothic... Yeah, I mean, uh, I, certainly, certainly, because the memories was you had lots of uh, subway trains and uh, overhead trains. Yeah, in, uh, elevated in, trains. Yeah. Elevated trains yeah. in Batman Begins. Yeah. But yes, it's very much based on, on where it was shot, which was New York and... Mm. Uh, Croydon. Sorry? Croydon. <laughs> Croydon. <laughs> Croydon. Oh, yeah, well. basically it was shot in Croydon. Mm. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah, but going back to what you were saying, I mean, I did mention about the Tim Burton film. Oh, yes. The, yeah, the very yeah. first one with yes. uh, Jack Nicholson as the Joker. Yes. I mean, I say the Gotham City, that was very dark, very... It was a city of festering corners. Yeah. But yeah. I think that is sort of plugging into Christopher Nolan's look for the series mm. because he uh, he wanted to go down the early James Bond James Bond route mm. i it's very much set in this reality mm. yeah. uh, nothing too fantastical can happen it's only one foot in in the twisted dark mm. whereas yeah. the tim burton one was literally to a certain extents taken directly from the magazines mm. uh, from yeah. the comic books mm-hmm. which is as you said is very much a festering pool of uh, Depravity and disease, Moss Eisley. But on the whole, I would say go and watch it. It does. Yeah, you have it, to. You have to watch it. It does properly fill out the 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 trilogy. It is mm. not something like Pirates of the Caribbean. Something quickly chacked on the end because we've got a money money spinner. This, no, this no, is no. definitely a first, second, and third chapter. Mm, yeah. Yes, and it does build upon those themes yeah. that have been there from the beginning yeah. about uh, the Batman being a symbol and Bruce Wayne trying to start up a legacy almost yeah. rather than just be this one man forever fighting. Yeah, I do have one final thing to say on this subject. 
the spoilerish about the end. It's slightly mm. spoilerish yeah, about the end. All, all, I, have to, music, all I have to say, like all yeah. I have to say, if I was Alfred, I'd have turned round and smacked Bruce Wayne in the face. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have to say, my first reaction was that that was what it appeared. But when I was driving home, I was thinking, no, <laughs> this is Christopher Nolan, and he, he's <laughs> been well known in things like Inceptions that yeah. to, to play with uh, rea- realities and perceptions. Mm. And I don't believe what we saw there. Uh, okay. I okay. think that was uh, wishful imagination. Thi- wishful thinking? Yeah. Wishful yeah. thinking on his I just part. don't think, okay. from what we saw with the flight over the, yeah. the water there, yeah. I just yeah. don't believe he okay. no, I, I, could have been true. I am willing to go with that. I am willing to go with that. But as I say, if it was true, then... Yeah. Okay. I, That's pretty obscure. So okay. everyone's yeah. no, it shouldn't, <laughs> shouldn't spoil anything for it. But you'll understand what I'm saying and probably what Adam is saying when you see mm. it. Right? Yeah. Blimey, you know what? 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 There's someone we haven't said hello to yet. Um, uh, Dangerous Churchill? Mm, could be. Oh, Graham. Graham? Graham gets riled, does Graham? Mm, maybe. Yeah. Nazi mm. Spock? Mm, distinct possibility. Cardboard Amy? Mm, we're getting warmer. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Down, boy. Down. <laughs> Give me strength. Could it be that mild-mannered head in the corner? <gasps> could be. Oh. <laughs> the head of, of Pertwee. Pertwee. Hello, Hello, head of, head of Pertwee. Pertwee. Hello, cardboard Hilda. Nazi Spock. Hello, Graham. 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 Dangerous Churchill. And various assorted posable plastic figures <laughs> that are mostly Amy. Yeah, <laughs> they are there. <laughs> <laughs> right, time for a bit of feedback. Thank you all. Here we go. <laughs> Lay it on us, Capitan. We have one here from David. Hello, David. He says, Dear all, thanks for a great Christmas podcast, number 122, <laughs> and the few that came before. As you can see, I'm still stuck in the time dilation zone, but should catch up one day. <laughs> I was listening yep. to Adam ranting away about zero tolerance of spoilers when I saw the news about the next Matt Smith story titles being released. Oh, really? Oh. Mm. I bet that caused the same reaction. <laughs> I've not I, seen him. I'm looking forward to hearing that rant in a few months. <laughs> keep up good work, all real and imaginary staggerers. Dave. Thank you. We keep him blinkered. You know, the, like, yeah. the horse, he's got these big leather bits on yep. the side, so you can only see in mm. front of him. Yeah, yeah. P.S. Oh. If you haven't been to the Harry Potter experience, you, no. need to do a, you need to do and take a spare camera battery. Yeah, we should P- do that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. P.P.S. Love the recent Twitter post about DW fans not recognising the stadium torch lighting as <laughs> canon, as if Tenon didn't, didn't do the final bit. We'll see. P.P.P.S. I swore I wouldn't become one of those pesky P.P.S. people. <laughs> Stop Too late. There you go. Okay, we've got a bit of Facebook feedback here. Ooh. Ooh. From Martin. Hello, Hello, Martin. Apparently Mary Jane didn't live next door to Peter in the comics. Oh. She was the niece of his neighbour, whom Aunt May kept trying to set up with on a blind date. Ah. But he kept avoiding her. Mm -hmm. Uh, I stand correct. Well, actually, I sit corrected. Ah. Peter didn't meet Mary Jane until he was about 21. Right. When Stacy was his high school girlfriend, of course. Okay. And he won't spoil what happens to them. Yeah. As they're bound to do it in the films. Yeah. Interestingly, Peter Parker was the first superhero to age. Mm. Marvel was against it, but Stan Lee 
championed him getting older. Yeah. That's why in the Ultimate Spider-Man universe, he's always been 15. Yeah, mm. yeah they, they rebooted mm. the Ultimates, but okay. yeah, see, he has left college and uh, gone out into the world mm. until I think it got rebooted in one final day but I could be mistaken about that one okay yeah I certainly remember in the JMS era he yes. was some kind of physics or chemistry teacher or yeah. something like that actual character that managed to progress yeah, yeah. which is which is, is, is unusual yeah Okay, we have a bit of audio feedback here. Oh. Hopefully it might be cut off. We'll find out. Oh, uh, It's from Naya. Oh, hello, Naya. Hello, Staggering Stories. Hello. hello. Welcome, team. I, you've been so kind to say hi to me for all the last few podcasts. I <laughs> really ought to say hello back and <laughs> to all your assorted non-living minions. Um, <laughs> Something will I. Short feedback this time. On scaring children. (laughs) First of all, we kind of do it too. Uh, Scooby-Doo was a big one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But Scooby-Doo and Doctor Who both had a message behind it. It wasn't just entertainment. It wasn't just make you jump out of your seats. Uh, Pratchett, I think, said it best to take things back to to your country. And Hogfather... (laughs) He has a line along the lines of, you don't have to teach children to be afraid of the boogeyman. They already are. (laughs) You have to teach them that there's something that can stop the boogeyman. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. And Doctor Who, with its emphasis, not just on the doctor coming in and saving things, but his getting people to save themselves, to face responsibility for their actions, to become heroes, to do whatever they can to use all their heart and mind and strength. That's underlying all of those. I mean, even the really terrifying ones, like Blink. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Sally did her own legwork. Yeah. Yeah, And um, The Doctor Dances, one of my absolute favorites. There was that poor little girl out there trying to take care of homeless kids in the Blitz. Yeah. Mm. And I'm recording this three days after we got the news mm. what happened in Aurora. Yeah. And I'm an adult and I'm still struggling with this. Yeah. I don't understand why. I don't understand who could. But it's a world and and it's a world where this happens and then it's a world where the usual suspects make it worse by standing up as my father would put it and on their hind legs in front of god and everybody Mm -hmm. and say that it's the fault of us because we don't have more guns or we have too many guns or we don't have enough god and nobody's looking (sighs) sorry let me rephrase there were people there the people who were actually there who did what they could to help. Some were successful and some died for it. Mm. But they tried to run. They tried to shield each other. They tried to help those who were hit. And at the very bottom, the message of Pratchett and of Doctor Who and of Scooby-Doo is that people do terrible, terrible things. But you can help You can choose to help. You can't stop it, but you can choose to help. Yeah. Mm. 
And I think that's a terribly important message. Definitely. Take care. Thank you, Naya. Mm, thank you. Mm. No, it's a very it's a very sobering thought, actually. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, I mean, sort of, especially in well, especially in circumstances like what happened out in uh, Colorado, it's very much a case of ordinary people in very extraordinary circumstances yeah. and what yeah. they can do. And so, there's no accounting of what you would do in those circumstances. Mm, that's it. You'd like to know what you you'd think you, what you could do, but and the people who faced him down or protected them, that's courage. Mm. And to do that even while you're afraid. Mm. Well, <laughs> anyway, um, mm. one thing it does occur to me with Scooby Doo is that, um, although obviously Naya's right, um, with Scooby Doo, ignoring a couple of versions of it, mainly it is always a guy in a suit. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yep. The monsters are not real. No. It, and that's the big message to me that, that Scooby Doo, the monsters are not real. Whereas in Doc 2, they are. Yeah. But the, th- the thing about, uh, as I said, Scooby-Doo, is the monsters aren't real. The the evil is human. Yeah, true. Yes. Hmm. Well, I think... <laughs> Any more feedback? <laughs> Quickly. That is it. Okay. Hmm, right, wind it down then. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, dear listeners, that brings us to the end of this latest podcast. Ah. Oh. But never fear, in the next one there'll be more of the same. Thank you. <laughs> more fun frivolity and jollity more news and reviews more who all are new so until that deleterious deluge of despondency and despair <laughs> <laughs> drizzles down upon us this is me crumbly saying we're seeing you goodbye oh, bye bye You have been listening to the Staggering Stories podcast, Series 1, number 138, featuring Adam J. Purcell, Andy Simpkins, and Keith Dunn. The views expressed here are those of the speaker and don't necessarily represent those of the other speakers of the site. No copyright infringement is intended, and this podcast is an El Presidente production for www.staggeringstories.net. Thank you and good night. That's the sound of me drinking coffee. Coffee made by my own sweet hand. Some good class Java Joe. One to get you sitting up and perking. <laughs> sitting up and what? Perking. perking. Oh, I thought you said perking. I'm perking. <laughs> <laughs> what you do in your private life is your own affair. BBC Radio 4. <laughs> I am the daddy. Do him with a brick. <laughs> I corner Terry Wogan in the car park. With my blade. <laughs> squealed like a stuck pig. <laughs> oh, I've always wanted yeah. <clears throat> He's doing it again. It's the uh, largest possible uh, thing uh, there, and he's doing the voice that hurts. <laughs> Hang on, I'm having trouble getting you up. Come on, <laughs> kick you. The, the letters, the letters, uh, dear boy, the letters. There are little blue tablets for that. Excuse me, I'm going to have to burp. Oh, that's better. That's, you know when it builds up and you get constricted and, and tight. For the, and for the benefit of our listeners, you could also almost seem visibly deflating in the armchair. <laughs> Sorry about that. Right, OK. It's so, so been sort of instantaneously filleted. <laughs> Speeding up. Speeding <laughs> up.